Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. Today, we're talking about a really fun subject as far as homeopathic remedies go. This is the subject of remedy relationships. And I can honestly say that when I first started studying homeopathy, I was kind of confused about this as well. And apparently we have quite a few listeners that are confused about it still. So we thought we would go ahead and address this subject because it is very, very important for people to understand how one remedy acts when it's exposed to another remedy or one's given first and then another one is given second, or if two remedies are given in the same period of time frame that they don't complement each other, they don't work well together. So it's kind of like two little kids in the sandbox, and sometimes they play well together, sometimes they don't. So that's basically what we're going to be talking about today when we talk about remedy relationships. So if you're a member, you're going to get, you're going to have access to a printable from Dr. R. Gibson Miller. He's from Glasgow, Scotland, and he has put together a really nice chart of remedy relationships. On this chart, he talks about each particular remedy, and then he will list the complementary remedies to that particular remedy, or remedies that follow it well, or remedies that are inimical or do not complement or follow it well, and or remedies that may actually antidote the action of a particular remedy. So with that, people say, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I'll also tell you that a really, if you have the clinical repertory of John Henry Clark, this is the repertory to the Dictionary of Materia Medica by John H. Clark. And he has a whole section in that book. And I know you can probably find that book online somewhere still to this day. I love John H. Clark's Materia Medica's because it's a trio, actually. It's a three volume set. And then Again, there's the clinical repertory that goes with it. But the whole section in there is clinical relationships. Instead of remedy relationships, it's clinical relationships. And it's almost identical to the one, the printable that our members can print off. And then I've also put in here complementary remedies, just that we're going to talk about the actual definition of what we mean by these remedy relationship terminologies. But I did want to say that it's a really good chart that is in John H. Clark's clinical repertory. Okay, so what do we mean by remedy relationships? Well, even if you have my book, um, Homeopathy for Mommies or Homeopathy Beyond Acute Care, at the end of each remedy, we will list um, certain remedies that may have an effect on the particular remedy. So like, for instance, if aconite is listed, uh, you're looking at the remedy aconitum, in the um, any materia medica, um, most of the time you're going to find that all materia medicas agree about what remedies affect a particular remedy that you're reading about. And I say that because the provings are so old that all these doctors that have written these books, 
they use each other's information. They don't go in and do approving of a particular remedy themselves. They glean the information from other doctors or the the provers of these particular remedies. And so that rem that remedy information has traveled down through time. Yes, it's kind of like a snowball. It picks up speed and more information will be added to a particular remedy possibly, but they don't take it away because it's always a truth. If it was a truth at the beginning, it's still a truth today as far as how a remedy acts in the the things that a remedy will help alleviate, the symptoms a remedy will help alleviate or heal or whatever. It's like I said, it's there's more information today most of the time than there was, but they don't take it away. So you're going to read in a good Materia Medica, you're going to, you're going to see the same information in from Materia Medica to, to, to Materia Medica. Again, if it's a newer Materia Medica, you're probably going to see more information. Okay, so if we look at the homeopathic remedy aconite or aconitum, you are going to see that there are complementary remedies to the homeopathic remedy aconitum. And in most books, you will always see arnica, coffea, and sulfur as complementary remedies, for instance, to the homeopathic remedy aconite or aconitum. In my book, I, of course, when I wrote my book, I gleaned information from a, a plethora of different sources. And so you're going to see that arnica also complements belladonna, ipecac, bryonia, silica, sulfur, and then again, coffea. So that's just an example of how you're going to look at a Materia Medica and see some of the different remedies that react with other, with other remedies. So let's talk about the actual remedy relationships here. So as far as what you might see in a Materia Medica. And again, every Materia Medica is going to have different verbiage as far as what they consider to be remedy relationships. So one of the things you're always going to see is complementary remedies. And by complementary, just to take the, from the dictionary, what does complementary mean? So if I have the remedy aconitum, for instance, any remedy that complements the action of aconite will be a complementary remedy. In other words, something combining in such a way as to enhance or emphasize the qualities of each other or another relating to a complementary remedy. So you have one remedy that complements the action of another remedy. And in homeopathy, we know that to be very, very important when we're giving a series of remedies to help one heal, for instance. Okay, another terminology um, instead of just complementary would be remedies that follow well. So remedies that follow well, in other words, it's, it's complementary if they follow well, but it's best if they are given after the particular remedy we're talking about. So, for instance, if you have the remedy aconitum, a remedy that might follow well is not actually going to be listed because it's it, there's nothing really specific to following aconitum well. I personally like to give belladonna after aconitum because belladonna will complement the action of aconite. But if you look at belladonna, you'll see that aconite actually cancels belladonna. So we always give it first, A and then B, for instance. So remedies that follow well, and that's exactly why, why it's important to pay attention if there is a remedy listed that follows well. Um, and again, you might see follows well or followed well by. So, so like if aconite follows well, it might, it might have some remedies listed that aconite follows well. 
but again, auric, you know, cancel. So it's really interesting the, the relationship between particular remedies. And like I said, just because it follows something well doesn't necessarily mean that it will be followed by that other remedy. All right. I know this gets a little bit confusing, but it's not confusing. If you just stop and think about how everything in this world affects something else. So if someone smiles at you, it makes you feel happy. Okay. So the happiness inside me is going to follow that smile. If someone frowns at me, I'm not going to feel happy inside. I'm going to feel sad. So in other words, a frown, the sadness will follow. Okay. So it's just, it's just, it's just amazing how one thing will complement or cancel something else. So then if we talk about, um, inimical, Inimical is a word you'll see very often. It's kind of old terminology. Uh, most of the time today, it will just simply say incompatible. So in my book, I try to write it either incompatible slash inimical. It just simply means that there's two remedies that are opposed in character. And so they are incapable of existing together. So you do not want to give two remedies that are incompatible or inimical because most of the time it's described as they're two closely related. And so they're inimical. So like we, the famous inimical remedies I always think of are Hepersulf and Mercurius. They're both fantastic infection remedies, but they're too closely allied. So you can give one or the other, but not both. So, and I always tell, I always try to teach people if it's the, the patient has dry skin, use Hepersulf. If they have moist skin, give them mercurius. And sometimes that's the only difference of the symptoms because they both have sticking or stabbing pains. They both have like possibly greenish discharge. They both have fevers. They both are so, so much alike. So how do you choose? Well, there are subtle differences, but like I said, I've actually had patients that start with Hepersolf and then they break into a sweat. And so then the the doctor will go ahead and switch it over or the mother will switch over and give Mercurius after a short period of time. They used to say, don't give it in the, the same 24 hour period. Today, we're not so afraid of doing that so long as the symptom picture has changed drastically. But the point is, is they are inimical. They are incompatible to give at the same time. Okay. And then we have the term antidotes. So this is a really important one because it's, it's when you take a homeopathic remedy and then you give another remedy that antidotes it. Okay. So in other words, what it's going to do is it's going to cancel the action of that particular remedy that you already gave. And so then you can, then there's also the antidoted by. So there's antidotes or antidoted by, or it might say antidote two. So antidote two would be the same as antidotes, right? If it says antidoted by, it means it will be the remedy you've just given will be antidoted by the particular remedies that are listed. And again, not every remedy has antidotes. And one of the things you will notice is like the cell salts, which are the building blocks of the human body. There are 12 cell salts. We call them tissue cell salts. And it's like the calcium, potassiums, the different building blocks, like I say, of the human body. You'll, you will... I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever noticed that any of those ever antidote or are antidoted by other particular remedies because the action of the cell salts is so solid and stable that they are affected by other remedies, but not necessarily canceled by them or antidoted by them. 
So that's another thing we can say is that instead of antidote, you could use the word canceled, but we like to keep the terminology as similar as we can from Materia Medica to Materia Medica so that people do not get confused. I will say that there are the old terminology. There's another remedy listing here and it's compare. Nowadays, they might say similar to. So by compare, and this is not one that I use a lot because of my understanding. So, but in classical homeopathy, you will often see this compare or similar to, because there might be a group of remedies that have a similarity for the ways you might use them. I like to be a little more specific when I choose a remedy, but sometimes for a newbie or someone just starting out that compare different remedies may be helpful. All right. So like I said, I don't want this to get this training to get too long, but it is really important to be aware of the fact that remedies have an effect on each other. And so we'll just talk a little bit about some popular complementary remedies. The complementary remedies are my some of my favorite things to discuss because, like I said, they complement the action of each other. And so when I say complement the action of each other, that means that you can give one remedy and then either later in the day or even the next day or even an hour later or 10 minutes later, depending on what you're giving the remedies for, they can actually complement the action of each other. So one of the, the main reasons the, that I started using complementary remedies is when I, and I tell people this on my podcast, um, what was it? I call it my famous five, Sue's famous five, but that's the five remedies that my homeopath gave me back 20 years ago when I broke my leg and actually, yeah, 20 years ago. So I, oh, I, I, I did major, major damage. I was actually looking at knee surgery due to the, the severe tissue damage. Um, and of course I had a, a, a broken fibula and I was, I was a mess. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my homeopath gave me five remedies to start taking. And because I was quite young yet. So as far as mending my bones, I don't think he was too concerned about that. I think he did, did give me a dose of symphytum, but he told me because the tissue damage was what was the so terrible. My foot actually felt like 49 and a half percent off my leg. And so as, as it turns out, they told me I would never get full range of motion back. I would have arthritis within months, not years. And I had, I was looking at knee surgery because the knee, the whole joint was just, it was just so overly stretched that it was just, it was a mess. <laughs> so anyway, he gave me these remedies and because they worked so amazingly well, I just ended up calling the famous five because it was Arnica, Hypericum, Bryonia, Rudigrav, and Rustox. And oddly enough, these remedies, of these remedies, Bryonia and Rustox actually will cancel each other out. In other words, they antidote each other, okay? But they also complement the action of each other. So that is confusing to people. And I'm like, it was confusing to me as well. And I says to my homeopath, I says, um, I don't think I'm supposed to be taking these at the same time. He says, take them. He says they will always complement the action of each other. Where yes, they might antidote each other at that time, but then it'll cancel. It'll complement the action. And I'll tell you what, I did heal up. It's been 20 years. I do not have arthritis. I do have full range of motion in my leg. I did not have to have knee surgery because even though you know it took my leg three months to you know insert two surgeries and whatnot and so forth. But anyway, um, it's just amazing how well I healed. And I says, these remedies worked so perfectly together that it's, 
I've had people on workman's comp get off workman's comp in two weeks just using these five remedies. It's absolutely amazing how they work together to complement the action of each other. For like say sprains and strains, it's it's so it's beyond amazing. Okay, but some other complementary remedies are like Bowenhausen's Croup Trio, and he said if you give aconitum first and then spongia or spongia and then hepersolve, he said that that will where spongia or spongia just does not do the trick for the croup. There's just it's lacking something. If you add the aconite and the hepersolve, then the child will get better. And so again, they complement the action of each other. And if you look at um, a chart that says remedies that follow well, you will see that Hepperself and Spongia both complement the action of Aconite. It's very fun. It's very, it, it's almost like a game. It's like a little mystery. It's, it's very fun. And then it just amazes me, even to this day, the wonderful notes and attention to detail that doctors before us have have taken in their study of homeopathy. And they have kept diligent records. Everybody always says, oh, there's no science behind homeopathy. There absolutely is. I mean, what is science besides note-taking and thesis and prove or disprove? And it's just, and it's, we're talking hundreds of years here, looking at the same remedies and not finding deviation. They always act the way that the original proving says they would there's, you, you just always know. And like I said, it's because God is orderly. He has given us these natural remedies that always are always predictable. Okay. We have Thuya and Nat Self, which I love these two. And I don't want to, <laughs> I'm just going to use the V word instead of, and you guys can fill it in if you want to, but Thuya and Nat Self, this is Compton Burnett and Von Gravogel added the net self, but Compton Burnett said Thuya would work to nullify the harmful effects of V. <laughs> and then later, Von Gravogel added net self to open the liver detox pathways to get out of the body the harmful de- effects of this V. And so it's really, really interesting how, like I said, these remedies complement the action of each other to work together to do something that is so wonderful for the body. And we have aconite and belladonna. This is, this is these two remedies work to um, so perfectly to interrupt the action of virus upon the body. So by that, aconite is amazing for exposure. Anytime someone has been, you know, exposed to something, and not necessarily a toxin, but they've been chilled, they've been overheated, they've been frightened, um, that drops their immune system to such a point that a virus can ah, make itself known upon the body. Belladonna interrupts the action of virus upon the body. But aconite, I like to give the aconite, aconite first because it really helps the belladonna to do its job more quickly because aconite takes care of that shock and that, that sense of exposure to that particular virus. And it works fantastic. Oh, and of course, then there's Compton Burnett's tetanus remedy duo. It's Leadum and Hypericum. Um, he says you give the Leadum to address the puncture wound, which is the mode by which tetanus enters the body. And then Hypericum, which Compton Burnett actually used the word cures tetanus. It is a cure for tetanus, he said. So you give Leadum and Hypericum alternating, and it will take care of that tetanus that so many people are, are we they vaccinate for because of the fear of tetanus. And I've, like I said, I have a podcast out there about tetanus. I won't go into that. But those are just some really famous complementary remedies. We also have, uh, well, 
Arnica and Symphytum for a broken bone. Arnica addresses the shock and the trauma, and then Symphytum helps to address the, the fracture. It actually helps to knit that fracture much more quickly. And those two remedies given in an alternating fashion just really will heal up a fractured bone. But another thing that's really important to understand is the inimical or that incompatible. Um, and like I said, there's a few that are really quite important to understand. Like I said, we already talked about the hepersulf and the mercurius. And the hepersulf and merc, you know, you give one when the skin is moist, one when the skin is dry, but you don't give them at the same time. Don't expect them to help each other because they're not going to. They're inimical. Aroostox and apis. Now, these are two really famous skin remedies. Aroostox uh, is poison ivy. Apis is the bee venom, but they're both fantastic for sore, burning, broke out skin. Um, and so you would need to know those remedies quite well. Um, ap apis is more this watery swelling, where Roostox is more the, the lumpy, maybe um, eruptions of like chicken pox or other kinds of rashes. And again, they're inimical. Nux vomica and chamomile, inimical. Cresotum and carboveg. Now again, these two remedies are very, very similar. Cresotum is like the cresote on the, from Atari burnt out, like say you have a wood-burning furnace outside, cresote, cresotum will build up on the inside of that. Very, very similar to that which carboveg. Carboveg is vegetable carbon, okay? Very, very similar. Again, they're nimical. Anacardium and lachesis. Anacardium is the marking nut. Lachesis is, is venom, snake venom. Again, inimical. Sepia is inimical to lachesis or lachesis and pulsatilla. It's really interesting how, again, they're all so similar that they're actually, like it's a lot of the things you would give one remedy for, you could almost see it in the other remedies, but you'll notice finite details about a particular remedy. And so that'll help to lead you to the correct remedy. But again, it's good to know that they're inimical and should not be given in the same time frame. So this is just kind of um, an example um, these are different examples of complementary or inimical remedies, but again, just be aware of it and look at, when you're looking at a remedy in the Materia Medica, just look to see what remedies may follow well or that can be given, you know, are complementary or remedies that you should not give after or possibly before. Or what you should do, like, like I said, when it talks about antidoting a particular remedy, we just had a mom on the forum uh, earlier this morning and she was talking about antidoting a particular remedy because she wanted to antidote something she had given her son. And so a lot of times you can just give a different remedy to antidote a different remedy. Or a lot of times you can give like mint, which will antidote. And that's another thing we talk about is things like strong odor um, that will antidote a particular, the action of a remedy. Uh, if I'm going to antidote a remedy, I'm usually going to give like camphor. If you follow in the Materia Medica, the homeopathic remedy camphor, these say antidotes about 90% of all other remedies, but it's a very powerful remedy. And so it's not one you give in alternation with another remedy, but it stands alone when it, it's needed for a particular ailment or flu-like symptom. But I like I said, I hope that you understand. I hope this has helped you to understand the action of remedies upon each other, because it is really, really important to just be aware of it and then just make note of it. I don't focus on it too much. If I accidentally give a remedy that possibly is an antidote to something else, I just make a decision as to which one do I want to give? You know, like I forgot to look, is, is there anything antidoted that if I followed it with something else or I changed my mind about the symptoms, I don't worry about it too much. But especially, you know, if it's 
if someone has the flu and you want to give a couple of different remedies because you just can't decide on which remedy you should give. Like I said, just look at the Materia Medica and say, oh, you know, okay, this one cancels this one. So I'm just going to stay with this one and I'm going to see how it works. I'm going to give it an hour, see if they're feeling any better. So that's why I like to do things, but it is important to understand, like I said, that they do have an action upon each other. All right. So with that, I'm going to let you go. I hope this has been helpful and insightful and I appreciate you guys being here. It's I love doing these podcasts and I actually like the feedback I get. I just had the nicest feedback from my last podcast and it's very fun. And I appreciate you when I know you appreciate me. (laughs) It's kind of like a win-win on my end. All right. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.